Hi there, and welcome to episode 30 of the T21 Mum podcast. My name is Mary, and I'll be your host. Each episode, we'll talk about life, Down syndrome, mamahood, single parenting, and pretty much everything in between. I have a daughter named Ainsley, and she's seven years old and rockin' an extra chromosome, also known as Down syndrome, and I am living life my way. And today, my friend Ron, my co-host, hey, joins me. <laughs> We're working on big stuff today, aren't we? Yes, we are. And who are we talking to and why? Well, this uh, episode, we're going to talk to Eleanor Stewart from the Down Syndrome Resource Foundation, pretty much one of my favorite places. And she is Ainsley's reading teacher. And does Eleanor have secrets or does she have plans or does she have just magic to teach kids to read? I think it's all of that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's go talk magic and plans and stuff with Eleanor. Okay, let's go. Today on the T21 Mom podcast, I am so pleased to have on Eleanor from our favorite place, the DSRF, who is teaching reading to Ainsley. Welcome, Eleanor. Hi, thanks. I'm so glad that you're able to come on and we're going to get to see you later today for reading. I know. (laughs) And reading for me, for Ainsley, has been like a huge goal of mine. And, you know, I've been reading to Ainsley pretty much every night since she was a baby, I think about three weeks old. And she absolutely loves books. And so can you tell our listeners a little bit about you and your role at the DSRF? Yeah, sure. Um... I've been working at the DSRF since 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I first started, I started I was hired to work with our adult programs, actually. So we were doing two classes right then that were focusing on literacy. And at that time, there were a lot of adults who were, or a lot of um, individuals graduating high school without um, without functional literacy skills or without literacy skills that would be helpful for them in terms of independent living and employability and things like that. So we really wanted to focus on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but what we realized in that program was that um, we really needed a one-to-one model for a lot of our learners who were struggling with acquiring literacy skills. So we developed our one-to-one reading program uh, and it was all based around the teaching model that was designed by Patricia Olwen. Mm-hmm. Um, which is the match select name that you've talked about before. And um, yeah, and then we immediately saw that this one-to-one model was much more successful and it's also supported by the research for students with intellectual disabilities that this kind of one-to-one model of instruction is mo- way more effective. Um, yeah, and then we expanded our services to really target younger individuals um, and focus on early intervention. So that's kind of been... Yeah, we've, I feel like we've really shifted. We were focused more on adults when I first mm-hmm. started here, and now we have really opened it up to younger children. So are you a teacher by trade? or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry, I missed that whole part. <laughs> yes, I am a teacher by trade. I'm trained in elementary education, and then I did my master's at SFU in educational psychology and kind of focused on exceptional learning and literacy. Um, and now just, I was away on mat leave last year, but now I'm back in my new position. So I'm teaching part-time here now. And then I'm also the director of education and programs. Here. Fantastic. Well, we yeah. love having you as our teacher, our, our oh, reading teacher. Well, so. having you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the first things I learned really early on in this journey of Down syndrome is that our kiddos are really strong visual learners. So as far as you know, like I'm assuming this would make it easier for our kids to learn to read. Yeah. I think, I don't think it necessarily makes it easier, but it, it's a relative strength, this visual processing. So it makes it possible. And I think, and that's a huge shift because it changes our expectations of individuals with Down syndrome. Cause like very recently it wasn't expected that they would learn how to read. So this, this, this understanding that, they have this relative strength in relation to their other um, intellectual abilities, this relative strength of visual processing. That's kind of what started this whole sight word approach of teaching. So that was kind of the research. Oh, these these people can, or these individuals with Down syndrome can learn sight words and then from there build on the reading skills and the other skills that are needed to effectively read. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Yes, totally. Okay. That's yeah. very interesting, actually. And 
you know, and I kind of regret that I didn't get Ainsley into the reading program earlier because she's, we started, I think it was last summer, I think. So she was just finishing grade one. But are there any indicators of when is a good time to start? Because you were just saying like a lot of the ki- the people that you were working with, they were leaving high school with really not very functional reading skills. So I'm sure a lot of people would be wondering, well, when do I start? Yeah. And I think, um, I was, it was a really good question because I think it can vary mm-hmm. um, based on your child. And I think I think some of the basic things are like they're showing interest in books. They, I think it helps if they can follow kind of a first-then schedule so they can do one thing and know that when they finish that thing, they get to do another thing. So mm-hmm. that just being able to follow maybe a sequence of two tasks or two events like that um and if they're starting to say words or starting to sign I think that's helpful um and then what I was just talking with this about this with one of our other colleagues the other teachers and and the big thing is being able to attend you know and even if that's just for a short amount of time that is kind you know like some I think we've had some kids who might have started at three Mm -hmm. and you know, we can have sessions, but you're not really working on a lot of reading. You're doing more getting them engaged, working on some of those readiness skills, building their attention, which are really important skills. And you need all those to learn how to read. So right. it's not. So I think I guess my short answer to that question <laughs> is if a parent, regi- you know, starts very young, like obviously it's great to start younger, but don't. I guess make sure you value and understand the importance of be of being able to attend and engage and um, shift attention. Like those skills are really necessary. So when you do start early, you might be working on those skills as your main goals mm-hmm. um, and doing fun literacy and songs and things like that. But mm-hmm. you're, it's kind of all a means to an end to, to get your students so that they can kind of sit and attend for longer periods of time and process information that they hear and see. Okay. Yeah, no, that that totally makes sense. Yeah, there's not like a start them before five or, or they're never no, going to read. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I no, no, and I didn't expect that kind of answer, but yeah. like I, I, I like how you explained it because it totally makes sense, right? Like you want them to be engaged. There's no point in starting if there's they're not wanting to be there really or are engaged yeah. at all. Yeah, and the so. worst thing you can do is have them have a negative association with reading right and they don't want to open a book or look at a book because you've I don't know tried to force them to do something that was kind of a bit ahead of where they were at yeah yeah totally and I know when obviously uh when we were seeing Riley our speech path and we had her on our first in our first season and I thought this totally made sense but I had never thought about it but you know she said when you're teaching like the ABCs you know, use the lowercase letters as opposed to uppercase letters, because that is what you're going to see most Uh of the time in reading. And, and, you know, it's obvious, but I had never even thought of that because it makes such sense, right? You know, to little things like that. Yeah, because most people, I think they would just normally start with uppercase letters. But you're right, we only Mm -hmm. see those at the beginning of the sentence, generally. And, And that's a good thing to bring up, because when for parents, you know, who are often asking about apps and mm-hmm. reading activities and things like that. Like there are so many apps that only have the capital letters, right? Or another big thing or pet peeve of mine is apps where you, you know, when you touch the letter, but, and it says the letter's name, but really our kids need to know the letter sound, mm-hmm. you know, it's important. Obviously they need to know the names too, but they need more practice and more repetition of those letter sounds, sounds. because those are what they need to decode and read. Right. But Yes. It's similar to what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a very good point. So when a child starts in the reading program at the DSRF, you obviously do an assessment. So what are some of the things that you're looking for during that assessment? Mm -hmm. So a little bit what I was saying before, like when we're working with really younger children, um, we're kind of looking for that readiness and their ability to attend or kind of seeing where they're at. So if we need... So that we know if we need to work more on following a visual schedule or how many, how long we should keep our activities. Do do they need to be very short and fast paced? Um, We, yeah, whether they can follow a schedule. If they're, um, we also kind of look at what their ability is to follow kind of short oral directions. Mm -hmm. 
and follow and follow visual directions too. But the big thing too is is matching. Do they have that skill of or that concept of same and different? Okay. Um, just because that's kind of our big the ability to match is kind of necessary to um, to be successful in the way that we teach sight words. So yeah, that and you know kids with intellectual disabilities, some of those concepts takes take longer for them to grasp. So mm-hmm. for some kids, we we might work on same and different for a while until they really grasp that. And then for some kids, you, you might just be work, working on matching shapes or matching similar objects and then and then introduce matching the same words and same letters and things like that. Okay. Okay. That's, that's interesting. I didn't, I didn't realize that. I know that like, that's how things were starting with Ainsley was to do with the matching. So, okay. That makes sense. And so and again, that's based on their strength of visual processing, right? So yeah. Yeah. And she's gotten quite good at the matching now. So, which is, mm. which is great. Cause I know they, I see it in different, in different therapy sessions with Ainsley, they're doing different types of matching. So mm-hmm. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about some of the things that you do when, I mean, you just kind of touched on it, but when a new child enters the reading program? Yeah, for sure. So obviously like one thing that's really, we really value here is, um, you know, building a relationship and a rapport. Mm-hmm. Um, so usually those first couple sessions are focused on that, getting to know the student. We always hand out a, like a student interest form to families so we can know what their preferences are. Um, but then usually we start with high meaning sight words. So a high meaning sight word would be a word that is, um, really important to that student, mm-hmm. um, or to that child. And they immediately know what the word means. So we don't have to work on comprehension or anything. So, mm-hmm. you know, in Ainsley's case, birds, Elmo, like all these words she knows and yeah. uses and is exposed to. So we start with that, um, and we start to teach those words and usually like for younger kids we would just start with four words um sometimes you know some little guys can only handle two at a time and we work on matching those sight words um and we follow that this process of match select name which i won't go into detail about it but it's um very accessible have you talked about that before in your in your podcast or no we haven't really we've never really touched on this is the first time we've really touched on reading so yeah well I guess yeah like there is a whole process but I think it's one of those things that you need to kind of watch in action and um listeners can watch that on our free videos like on our website um even if you just googled Patricia Olwen and match select name like it teaches the process of how we teach these high meaning sight words okay and then once a student is able to um you know, in, in Ainsley's case, like you were talking about how you'll put a bunch of flashcards out and say mm-hmm. a word and then she has to feed it to the puppet. So that's her ability to select um, and recognize a sight word out of an array of sight words or out of a group of sight words. And then the next um, kind of level after that would be for her to hold those sight words in her hand and be able to name them on her own. Okay. Which she can do with a lot of her words as well, right? Um, but that's kind of like the highest level when they're actually reading a word. But then from there, we would introduce um, a group of letters. Often, like most commonly when you're teaching reading, you usually start um, with S-A-T-I-P-N because those are, you have a couple vowels in there. You have some of those consonant sounds that are often easier to pronounce. Um, and you can make three-letter words right away with those words. But mm-hmm. We've often found, too, that it can be more effective to choose letters that are in their high-meaning sight words. So maybe if, for example, with Ainsley, since she loves birds, she knows that word, maybe we would introduce B first because then she has an association with that letter and a word. I could just yeah, like letters and letter sounds they're they're just they're a huge they're very abstract it's an abstract concept mm-hmm. uh, so you really need to try to make that or make letters as concrete as possible and relevant to the learner so yeah and we also might only start with a few letters at a time to again going back to what I said before depending on whether the the child's attention span and their visual processing um yeah, and again, like just trying to make it as fun as possible. Um, and then after that, too, we would, or in those early sessions, we also really focus on kind of building routine and mm-hmm. expectations of what to under, what they 
yeah so they know what to expect when they come and it's predictable yes because our guys like when it's predictable they like routine for sure yeah and so do you think that reading helps with speech mm-hmm. yeah that's one of the big things we notice a lot actually because if you think about it reading is basically making language visible right mm-hmm. it's making language visual so one one thing that I notice often is you start to hear um, students using more of those joining words because often like our guys our, our students with Down syndrome are often quite good at labeling and um, naming things mm-hmm. so using nouns but often when it gets a bit more complex using verbs or using joining words or using um, articles and things like that like the and in and and um, but what reading does is it kind of forces them when they're reading sentences to extend their language a bit, right? Because they have to put in those extra words right. and those. So, yes, yeah, so you'd see them using more words in their speech, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I had heard that. So, but yes, I like how you explained that. That's, that's, and I think that's good encouragement for parents too, that if, you know, maybe if their child is maybe struggling a little bit in speech, but because they're such visual learners, if they can get them reading that that can help that along so yeah yeah you also i find too for when students speech is quite effective affected sorry you yeah when you have when they're reading you understand them more because obviously you can see what they're reading but it often will slow them down a bit or um yeah i think that's why but i just i've noticed that as well it's just easier to understand them Mm -hmm. and so Ainsley, like, she's always loved books, like, ever since, you know, she's been a baby. And I feel reading along with speech are such important life skills for our kids. But, you know, there are times that Ainsley is not that overly interested in the book for whatever reason. But do you have any suggestions to get kids interested? Like, do we read the same book all the time or try to vary it or, you know? <laughs> yeah. I know you hear this from a lot of parents. They're like, I cannot read Brown Bear, Brown Bear again. You know, they're just like <laughs> at their end. Like, I've read it five times for the last five years. But yeah, I, I think, I think in that case, when you're at that point with a mm-hmm. book, it's time to start thinking about things you can do or skills you can work on with that book instead of just, you know, just reading it straight through. Um, and also just thinking about our prompting because often varying our prompting as as the experienced reader with our child so I was just thinking about this because I feel like I could talk an hour about (laughs) shared reading and how to do that but um maybe is there like a platform where we can share things from if I had a resource to share for sure we'll put links on our website and in the show notes for sure yeah yeah because there's definitely there's this whole process and it was designed for um families this was more in the 80s like for families who were coming from more of a lower socioeconomic background Mm -hmm. so either they didn't have a lot of time to read with their kids or if they were reading with their kids it was very yeah maybe their education was limited they didn't feel comfortable doing it um so and it's called dialogic reading and it's just this process to teach parents but anyone who's going to be reading with a child about about prompting and how to keep learners engaged Mm -hmm. and then there was an article that this is the one I'll share with you about using dialogic reading specifically with children with down syndrome and how you can kind of vary your prompts because often I think especially when you're tired you've worked all day and you're (laughs) reading you're doing your bedtime story and like all you can kind of think of you could just read the book straight through, but then you're like, oh, what's the bear doing? We often kind of resort back to just the what questions mm-hmm. or, or where. Um, but the what I like about this approach is it kind of teaches parents, they give you an acronym to, rem- to remember about different prompting that you can do instead of just asking those question words. Okay. So then it's just a better, yeah, and it's all about increasing the interaction you have with your child through the book okay and I think that's something that our learners need because they are continually needing more repetition Mm -hmm. on language concepts and reading um so yeah so these are kind of strategies that teach yeah teach you different ways to use the same book to work on different skills and language skills and things like that okay um but 
back to your other question, just like some tips for how you get kids interested. I think, um, I think just providing choice and like rotating, mm -hmm. you know, it depends what your house is, how your home is set up, but maybe you have books on a shelf. So, or maybe you have a basket near in their bedroom, but kind of rotating those books okay. so that there's kind of a variation. I was also I was talking to one family, they wrap up a book, okay. even though it's like one of their old books, but then you kind of bring in that element of surprise oh, yeah. and they forget that they had that book already. Yeah. You know, like I, I find people keep giving us books or I always, I'm always going to Salvation Army and just buying cheap books. Yeah. And then you just, you kind of forget the books that are in your house or on your shelf. So it's good to kind of freshen them up that way. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I think providing choice and, um, you know, the, the, when you brought this question up, it made me kind of think about, you know, individuals with intellectual disabilities. One, one aspect of that disability is um, that they lack intrinsic motivation. So yes. that ability to, you know, motivate ourselves to do something new or, you know, and a lot of our guys don't like to try something new mm -hmm. or that ability to kind of persevere. So the more that we as parents can motivate them and engage them in reading, or whatever skill you're working on as a parent, the more likely they're going to be at, be successful with that skill. Right. So it's just, you know, it's, it's such a, you're kind of just trying new things all the time. There's mm -hmm. no, but I, I think parents are the ones who obviously are the experts on their child and they're going to know what motivates them. And you guys have that advantage in terms of the knowledge about your child that, mm -hmm. um, yeah, but you know, I just, I think too, like, you know, the places they went to that day, you know, their favorite food, you know, if they saw the garbage truck that morning and then get a book about a garbage truck, okay. you know, and even if they pay attention to one page, at least you, you know, you don't re realize it, but you've helped them make a connection between real life and text. And that's like a huge foundational piece for reading comprehension, oh, you know, like, okay. and it's just like all these little things, mm -hmm. but, but I think you also know, like kids, is your kid one of those kids that likes to lift flaps? So then find as yeah. many flat books. Go to Salvation Army so you don't feel bad if they get ripped because you've only <laughs> spent 50 cents on the book, you know? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah and just, and I think, t I think the other thing is just don't feel bad if you only look at one or two pages because okay. you kind of have to follow their lead and, and you don't have to read every page either. Yes, <laughs> that's another that's, big one. That's true. Yeah, I know, yeah. like Ainsley right now, because we kind of go through like you said, kind of phases of favorite books. And right now her favorite is the wonky donkey. And I actually quite like it. It's quite a funny yeah, story. Yeah, it's a fun one. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's quite a tattered little book now. I might have to buy a second one. <laughs> so um, I know you've kind of touched a little bit on it, but, you know, not obviously not everyone has the access to all the fabulous programs that the DSRF uh, provides, but what can parents do to start to get the kids reading? You know, if they don't maybe have access to someone like you. Mm -hmm. um, I would, well, definitely watch our free videos because those, we have like a three part series on reading and reading instruction. So I think those are valuable. And I think they also, they're a bit dated now. I think we made them like eight years ago, but the basic, my hair is awful in them, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing really distracting earrings. But regardless of all those things, I, the basic points are there. And I think I like them because they give some background on how our learners learn. Okay. And I think that helps us when we're doing anything. If you kind of have the theory and the background behind it. But I would also just kind of what we were talking about earlier is, you know, think because you're the expert on your kid, think about a few high meaning words that you know your child understands and would want to learn. Okay. Um, would want to recognize and then just set up a simple grid and teach those words. Make And again, we find what's really motivating is like having books with real photos of them in it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And thinking about yeah, family names are a really great set of words to start with. Or foods, huge, or animals. Mm -hmm. You, you know, your listeners will know what works best because they're their child. But um, yeah, and just make simple books that you, I find PowerPoint is a really easy um, platform to use because it's already set up. You don't. There's not a lot of editing involved. It's easy to paste photos oh, in there. Okay. 
Yeah. You can put it on an iPad. You can, you know, if your kid's super into technology, you can read it on a computer. You can also animate it. So if you're really getting to that stage of seeing if they actually knew what the words were, you can animate it so that they don't see the picture until after they read the sentence. Oh, okay. That's like, yeah, I find that those are really good. And then just kind of picking picking really repetitive phrases that you want your kid to start using, like I like, I see, I eat. Um, yeah, and then they can start to think about how they, yeah, they start to understand the patterns of speech that we use and also see it. So, and that's kind of what we were talking about before. You start to see them using those patterns in okay. their own speech. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, no, those are, that's awesome. I never thought about that with the PowerPoint, but yeah, how, mm -hmm. how easy it is to do that. And you know, I'm sure all our kids love their iPads. I know Ainsley does. So, <laughs> you know, and I know we were talking a little bit earlier about the ma matching and, mm -hmm. you know, Riley suggested an app called Special Words, which has been awesome for Ainsley and she loves it. Whereas you match the words and it's got the different levels in it so that you, I think you start off matching pictures and then it's, I think the written word to the picture and then like there is also saying it yeah so they're getting that and i also like that you can uh i changed some of the um like the words on it because i think they it was a, it's a british program but british, and so i yeah. used yeah so i used my voice and then i some of the words i changed like biscuit i changed it to cookie because <laughs> i don't know if she'll know what biscuit is or jumper yeah, exactly. to sweater and stuff so yeah so that and we can put a link to that app as well in the show notes for people because I, I i don't think it was very expensive but it was it ainsley loves no. it and she loves to play it so and i think that's, and that app you can put your own words and own pictures in there too yes i haven't done that but that's yes good. that yeah. yes i've yeah. heard that too so yeah it's, it's a good i think that's a good recommendation for families too because then you start with a base of words that are all, and those are all, um, you know, so the common, most commonly common. used words in English. Yeah. 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 And it worked really well and she got it right away. So it's, it good. is good. So, and you know, I know, I noticed like during a lot of Ainsley's sessions that you've, you focus a lot on tapping out the syllables of the words, such as cookie, elephant, Elmo. And I was wondering why is this like, does, and also does, using a pointer help like is it like another visual clue yeah what's the point of that yeah <laughs> um yeah so basically syllable segmenting is just kind of an easy entrance point into our learners developing phonological awareness and so phonological awareness is understanding that language is made up of chunks of sound. So thinking okay. like the smallest unit is a phoneme or a letter of sound, and then you work up to syllables and then words. Okay. Um, so a lot of the research shows that the more phonological awareness you have, that would be a good indicator of being successful, being a successful reader. Um, okay. But what's interesting is if you look at the research in children with down syndrome what they've noticed is that because a typically developing child would kind of build all those phonological awareness skills first so mm -hmm. you, you know like think about like rhyming and um you know all those like pig latin games where you're like reversing letter sounds because basically phonological awareness is your ability to kind of manipulate sounds and okay. move them around um but what we what the research is noticing with kids with learn with down syndrome is that learning so it's it's kind of complicated but as they learn to read because mm -hmm. they don't come into kindergarten with the same level of phonological awareness skills or abilities because of their deficits in auditory processing and things like that but what they started to notice is that as they learn to read they learned phonological awareness as a result of reading so now oh, once and okay. I, it makes sense because then now they have a visual of it and now they can see that that word starts with b okay now i can replace b with a f and i turn the word into a new word and things like that but and and also with segmenting too they can see the, the chunks within the word but um but we just i find it's also good to still work on those mm -hmm. those skills and working on processing phonological sounds because that's a deficit for a lot of our learners so it's an easy entrance point and i think it's like a fun activity um it also 
yeah, it's just a fun way to get them engaged in language and saying the words, and it helps okay. a lot with pronunciation. Mm-hmm. Um, and later on, it's a strategy that we use to break down difficult words and uh, read or spell new words. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of an entry point for those phonological awareness oh, activities, okay. getting okay. them to a- attend to sound. Okay. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. Cause I kept wondering why are you guys doing that? So, so thank you for answering that. That's, that's awesome. And like, I noticed, um, like on some of Ainsley's early books, there was like a little dot under the word. So obviously that's to reference it, but does using a pointer, does that help or? Yeah, yeah. I think, um, I was just, we were, we always make fun of this word because we were at some workshop and someone was, they were talking about learning mediators and then they brought out all these pointers and that apparently, <laughs> I don't know why they're called learning, but it mediates learning, but you're right. It's a, it's a visual cue. Okay. Um, exactly what it is to use a visual cue to use a strategy, like pointing to each word, but it also cues the student about what the task is. So it's a okay. visual reminder. Yeah. Um, so, but it's also fun, but I also think it like, as I said earlier, like our learners need all the support that we can give them to stay motivated and engaged. So that's again, one more Mm -hmm. thing that helps them. I think if we specifically talk about Ainsley too, like she needs a lot of work on visual tracking. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's another thing that helps her really attend to each word and make sure that I can see that she's looking at the word. Yeah. Um, and those dots under the word again are visual so she can put her finger actually on the dot she knows she doesn't have to put too much energy into trying to accurately place her finger she has a spot to put her finger and that happens to be right under the word that I wanted to look at okay yeah okay that's what I thought okay that's that no that's really good to know so and you know a lot of uh, I mean Ainsley in particular and I'm sure most of our kids they love music like does do you know does like I know it can help a bit with speech because like a lot of Ainsley's words are very clear because she sings them all the time but yeah. does music help our kids to learn to read or I, I, I don't I can't, know I, I know I can't I can't speak to the research on this I really sh- I don't know if there is I should try to find out but I can speak to my um experience and that Again, I feel like I sound like a broken record, but music is extremely motivating Mm -hmm. Um, and it's language based and reading is language based. So, yeah, I think that's my generalization I make about people with Down syndrome. I've never met someone with Down syndrome who's not into music or not motivated by music in some way. But um, but yeah, it teaches language patterns and how sentences are structured. It teaches sounds. it's also a really easy way to sneak literacy in. Yeah. Like in, like letter sounds, especially like if you're a parent driving around, you can start singing a song and focus on, you know, I'm a, I always like make up ridiculous songs, but that's just like an easy way to get their attention and they attend to you and you can, yeah, you get them for that short, short time. whatever, two minutes. Yeah, yeah. And you can kind of focus in, but it's, um, I think it helps with memory too, which is, mm-hmm. and our guys need more support with auditory memory and building that. So I think it's always a good thing to work on. And I think you can also, for when some of our students get older or they get more, well, actually even younger kids, but we use, we often take songs and the lyrics and make them visual and harvest words from songs that could be good to learn. Um, okay. And like for some of our older students, we, uh, work on like reading fluency and learning sight, sight words and things like that from their favorite pop songs because they want you know they want to be able to sing karaoke and be accurate so they're very motivated to learn those words and practice and reread it over and over again so it's a really good way to do repetitive instruction around reading and then also I don't know music also teaches tons of concepts right like body parts emotions and all mm-hmm. those things are you need those concepts and those that foundation to move forward with reading as well you need life experience and those yeah. concepts to understand what we read right exactly and you brought up an interesting point because I do remember hearing this um at some seminar I guess that I went to is using closed captioning on like tv and uh like you mentioned about the karaoke so you know to keep to use the closed captioning they people have said that they found that that helps their their kids to learn to read yeah which again would be yeah providing them with a visual right yeah yeah 
older kids. Yeah. 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 For kids who are reading. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, especially if they're singing their favorite song and they're playing or doing karaoke, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Karaoke. Very, we do a lot of karaoke. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> so like, you know, as we were talking previously, like Ainsley can, she can read quite a lot of words like her teachers asked me to a list and I was trying to remember all all the words and I was surprised like how many she can read and we do a lot of flashcards but I want it to be more meaningful for her like she loves her little reading game that where I we were just talking about where I place like about six flashcards out on the table and then she has to find the word and feed it to to moose because she really enjoys that part of the activity where she gets to feed the puppet but can you suggest how I can get her to read words together, like mm. a short sentence? Because I know she can read the words, but I've been trying to find a way to get her to read, like even three words together. Mm-hmm. I know, I agree. I think um, just also talking to like our speech therapist, that that's very connected to how many words they are using in their, their what is it, the mean length, utter, or their... What is the term? I should know this. Their mean length of utterance. So, like on average, like how many words will she regularly use in her okay. in her language okay. when she's talking to you? Like, what does she say? Like, mother, can I please have a cookie? Or does she say, cookie, please? Yeah. So, thinking about like how many words does she already string naturally into a sentence? Okay, I that see. That is that can be directly correlated to what they're able to read together initially. Okay. That's all. Because and I remember having a lot of discussions when we started the reading program where, um, you know, with having a lot of collaboration with the speech therapist because they were like, well, you know, you don't want to overdo it. If they're only speaking in two word sentences, they shouldn't be reading, you know, eight word sentences because right. you want it to be, you want this right challenge level. But at the same time, we would argue, well, but it's visually there, it's static, it's staying in front of them so they can you know, that you can still get them to read longer sentences, but they're, but, you know, they might not understand it or keep all of that in their information if they're only speaking in two word sentences. But sorry, that was a tangent. I meant to say when, when you're trying to get your kid, cause that's the whole thing is, yeah, you don't want them just to read stacks of flashcards. Um, yeah. You know, that's, that's kind of what happened initially when, um, when individuals with Down syndrome were, you know, the spec, I guess like in the seventies and eighties, that's kind of what happened. It was just this very functional sight word approach mm-hmm. where they were just learning sight words, but then that's not, that's not reading. Reading is yeah. connecting ideas. And, um, so I think it's, um, yeah, I think it kind of goes back to what I was start with, what, what I was saying earlier. You really need to kind of start with those predictable patterns or repetitive patterns. So, um, you know, when you think about like, remember all those boring, basal readers that we read like see dick run see jane run it's that repetitive but the reason that they're repetitive like that and especially for our learners is that they you need um you need to build fluency and familiarity with the structure of our language and how we use it and um and even if you think like when we read we're quite experienced readers you're not reading every single word because you know you're able to predict how a sentence is structured. So you probably see one word and you know what the next three words are going to be. So we, you kind of want to use a lot of repetitive sentence structures and okay. make up flashcards with those, teachers call them high frequency words. So right. those words that are really boring to learn, like yeah. the, and like, and I, like all those kind of abstract words that don't really have a concrete meaning attached to them. Okay. So those need to be taught in context with their high meaning sight words so that they understand how they are used with their with their words that they understand and recognize okay um so yeah so that it just might mean that you start making sentences using i I like to use them on flashcards so then you can move them around so you Mm -hmm. just want to start with simple sentences like with ainsley you know elmo eats yogurt so you have that three word sentence okay um and then you can make it into a fun game where you like crash it or big storm comes and you mess all the flashcards up and then you have to build it back up in order because okay. our, our learners need a lot of work on sequencing words in the correct order. Okay. When you're, when you're, you know, syntax and building proper sentence structure. Um, but 
like in Ainsley's case, or when you're start when you're first starting, that might more look like you building the sentence and then her building the same sentence underneath. So you'd have two sets of flashcards. Okay. Or you you know write the word on a whiteboard and she puts the same flashcards underneath and then you read it together. Okay. I really like using um so it's an explicit teaching approach where it called I do you do we do so you would and I think I've you might have seen me do it with Ainsley where I say okay Eleanor's turn first and I would read the sentence mm -hmm. and then we do it together so I try to get Ainsley to do it with me and then the third stage is Ainsley does it on herself or you or you do it all by yourself so okay. she, so she's getting exposure and she sees how it, how it's done two times before she gets to do it on her own okay. things like that but yeah yeah but just using starting simple and using those high frequency words and you can google i think it's like the fry first 100 and basically what those are the first 100 most frequently used words in the english language okay and if you pick the first 10 those words you can start making sentences and using those with your high meaning sight words okay but yeah trying to make it fun and using the pointer mm -hmm. and yeah things like that okay oh those that's excellent those are excellent tips but that's a really important point you shouldn't just be reading flashcards they need to know that yeah because that's what I was struggling with is like yeah she knows all these words that are on flashcards and she'll often just go to the box and and look at the words but I thought it's not very functional I want her to be able to connect them into a sentence so okay yeah. so I, I like those tips so that those are awesome and I know you you sort of touched on a little bit earlier about one of the things that like I've noticed with Ainsley is she really struggles with number recognition and we've you know, really been practicing a lot about counting and, and it's been challenging for her. And I, I've have heard that numbers and math in general can be difficult for our kids, but you know, because I kept thinking, well, a number and a letter, they're both symbols. So I kind of thought if she can learn the letters, why are numbers, why does it seem that it's just so much harder? Mm -hmm. I think, or do you we, know? It's <laughs> Yeah, well, this is this is my answer. I think it's a really good question, but I think um, it's that the numbers are still really abstract for her, right? Like she doesn't have any meaning attached to those numbers. Okay. Like, what is two? Like, what does that mean to Ainsley? Uh, Whereas okay. Elmo, that's a word she can attach it into her, you know, network of in her brain. She can mm -hmm. attach that visual Elmo to her her schema in her brain of what Elmo is because she already has a concept of Elmo in her brain whereas okay. I, I haven't for the record I haven't assessed Ainsley on math this is just my <laughs> hypothesis yes. for no, everyone okay. listening <laughs> but um that's like yeah it goes back to you know our learners with Down syndrome really struggle with a lot of these concepts because they are quite abstract okay and so yeah with numbers it's a lot of um you know, breaking it down, using things that she really, you know, if she's really into fish crackers, then it's counting fish crackers. Oh, okay. I'm going to give you two fish crackers. One, two, here you go. How many fish crackers do you have? And getting her to do that. Just like, because she needs to understand quantity and usually quantity starts with things that are of high value to her. Okay. That makes if total that makes sense. sense. Yeah. Yes, yes. And I know at school, they sort of talked about like they do a dice, but I'm like where I guess they're connecting how many dots, how many dots equals what number. But I think it would have to, that's still kind of abstract. I think oh, you're right. Very abstract, yeah, yeah, it would, ha it needs to be something more concrete. You're right. Okay. Yeah, like if she has toy, like I had one guy who started to get it because he, I think he had like 40 cars, like mm -hmm. toy cars. And that's where he started to get it. Cause that was something interesting. He had a lot of, but yeah, an interest of him too. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, okay. Okay. That's okay. I got a few ideas. We can do <laughs> birds and Elmo, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and so in your experience, do you feel that the majority of people with Down syndrome can learn to read? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think they can all, at least gain some literacy skills and obviously that's going to be going to vary because down syndrome varies so much mm -hmm. from individual to individual but um yeah all of all of the individuals that we've worked with with have 
improved their literacy skills at to some point. Like that might not be them reading the newspaper on their own. But of course, yeah. Usually, it's you know I had one guy that I worked with. He, um, when I saw he came to me, he was I think he was nineteen, but he didn't have he didn't have letter like he couldn't he didn't know any of the names of the letters he had no letter sounds but he um was very motivated to learn like he what he wanted to be able to do was google like go into google image and get um images of his favorite superheroes okay and so he was so motivated to learn how to spell superman and spell hulk and things like that yeah that that's how he started to learn the letter names and the letter sounds and he learned them on the keyboard and then from having no letter sounds or any letter recognition now he was at a point where he could ask someone how do you spell flash and someone could say f l and then he could find f and l on the keyboard and spell that and do this whole thing that was quite important to him Mm -hmm. and he could do that independently right and that's like a very that's a very basic literacy skill but he learned that at 19 had he started earlier maybe he would have learned even more yeah you know i don't you never know but but again it goes back to what we were saying like you know their attention span if they how engaged you can get a learner into doing those the literacy activities and um yeah yeah it's that's kind of my yeah well no but i think like because i i'm confident that ainsley's gonna read i don't know to what level but but also i just want people out there who are listening that you know, and I think that's a great example, even at 19, that, you know, he was learning to read. Because I have heard about some older children on the various forums that they can't read. And I mean, I don't know necessarily why that is, but, uh, you know, I want parents to feel that, you know, I think it's achievable, but it might take some work. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I just feel so fortunate that you guys are so close to us that we have access to the programs that the DSRF puts on. You know, not everyone. Ha- obviously has that but like you said you can start with the videos I mean now with you know the internet and social media I mean I think it's easy to find the materials you might have to do it yourself but you can find those materials to to help motivate your your child and to to get them to achieve those milestones because I think for me personally I think reading and speech are probably two one of the two of the most important skills because that's kind of your gateway to life is being able to yeah. talk and then if someone gives you something they'd be able to read something so yeah yeah so no I think that is a great reassurance for parents that it doesn't matter how old that you know mm-hmm. there's still opportunity to, for our children to learn like this really important skill yeah you know and so you know Ainsley she's only seven but you know are you able to suggest like I know you talked about like the C Jane run, C Dick run books, but like, are there any kind of good starter books out there for our kids? Or do we just try to find a book that, you know, would really interest our kids? Like I instantly, like she likes Elmo and she really likes birds and you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But yeah, I know. I was thinking about this. Um, the, I think, and again, again, like parents are going to know their kids the best. But I think what we've seen a lot is like a lot of, if you can have a variety, like some, mm-hmm. it's really nice to have those board books or books with real life photos in them. Mm-hmm. Um, animals are really huge. I think though, and make and what I said earlier is like making your own books if you can have, um, and I think I said this before we started recording that like here at the Down syndrome resource foundation, we've made so many books on like, you know, there's so many kids who are into Peppa Pig or Paw Patrol. So we've had to make so many of these books. So if people want to email us, we're we're totally welcome to share those books too. Cause I know how much time it takes to prep materials and things like that. And they're just sitting on our drive, not being used sometimes. (laughs) So that's an option. But um, I think though, I think like flat books, the touch and feel, all those things that are quite tactile can get Mm -hmm. kids into it. Um, Again, like the real photos of them. The also find some of the books with big font, like where the font gets bigger, Mm -hmm. um, because then you can kind of get them to draw their attention more to the text. Um, Those, the Mo Willem books, like the Piggy and Elephant books, those are popular for a lot of our guys, and they have big font, and you can 
any any of the books that make you as the reader so if you're the more experienced reader reading it to your child make you more interesting so you have to change your voice yeah. you have to make a weird animal noise or a growl or mm-hmm. anything like that that you know that keeps it funny funny noises and funny sounds and I think like for some of our older kids the Robert Munch books have been really big because they're very okay. repetitive yeah and there's like there's an easy problem and solution that you can kind of work mm-hmm. on too okay um but yeah, I think too, I was just realizing just because I have a young kid now and the public libraries are very resourceful. Like the librarians mm-hmm. know so much and yeah. it's weird. Like you can be like, Hey, I just like, I want a book about red birds and they'll be like, Oh yeah, here, follow me. And then, you know, like use those free resources out there. Yeah. Um, and then also, yeah, like, you know, if you're, you can bring your child and they have the choice too, because choice is very motivating as well. But mm-hmm. Again, I say that too. Sometimes you have to limit the choice. Like you don't want to overwhelm them with right. the library can be overwhelming <laughs> for <Yeah>. me. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm quite, I don't know what book to choose. So I know. <laughs> okay. That, the, yeah, th- those are awesome suggestions. And like, do you have any suggestions for, cause everything is so app driven these days, but like any good apps or online resources, obviously the DSRF, but that people can go to, because we talked about the video and we'll post a link to the video, the reading video. But do you have any suggestions for apps or websites? Yeah, for sure. I was just thinking, um, the it's out of the UK. It's called the Down Syndrome Education International. And they're the ones who made Special Words, the app that you referenced. Oh, but they okay. also have a bunch of other apps in their they're under the category they're called see and learn apps okay and they're um focused on reading and language but they also just have a new a numeracy one too which you might want to check oh, out. oh okay for it. sure so yeah those are the see and learn apps um and then and i think you can actually go to their site down syndrome education international and they're all on there okay um and i don't think they're very expensive the other ones i like are the it's a set called the primary university apps and those focus on early reading skills. And that's an example of an app that I like because when you touch the letter, it makes a sound. Okay. <laughs> they're, okay. They're like, they're, they're also quite, um, you can turn, you know, they, there's like a little reward when you get the right answer, but it's not like an annoying reward. I think it's just like a nice classical instrument playing. Okay. But you can turn that off. Like it has settings like that. <laughs> okay. I think sometimes those apps can be, like I think that's one thing parents need to pay attention to as well as like how the pace of the app, like sometimes apps are too slow in between tasks or activities, like, or there's too much going on. There's like a whole animation in between each mm-hmm. activity. Yeah. Um, or the reward when you get it right is too much. So just kind of thinking about little things like that. And again, you know, your, your child the best. So if that's not going to be distracting, then maybe it'll work. But, um, and then I was just thinking of a couple other websites that are good. Um, the Reading Rockets website, it's really good. And they have a whole, it's all about reading instruction, but they have a whole section devoted to parents. Okay. And they start from really young and mm-hmm. move up to more intermediate reading skills. And then a couple blogs. One is called This Measured Mom. Okay. And she's this mom I think she has like seven children and she keeps this amazing blog somehow but she has all these free resources okay really nice resources that you can print off and they're focused on again she starts because she's taught all seven children how to read they -hmm. don't have any none of the children have a disability or anything but the reading materials are quite we use them a lot here and they yeah like if you need stuff on letter sounds or um yeah, just she she covers all reading skills, but for a young age as well, up to older ages. And then another one is called This Reading Mama, and okay. she has a lot of cool um, free resources. And then I was also, I, I just started doing this recently, but following people on Instagram. Like there's a lot of, again, a lot of moms or a lot of um, SLPs there's a lot of reading teachers on Instagram and they oh, okay. I just find them helpful because they'll post a photo or some of like an activity 
that's easy to do at home. Yeah. The little things that they do at home to do. And it's not all really just reading. Like there'll be language activities or fine motor activities too. So I find those are helpful and they don't require as much time and investment, right? It just comes up on your feed and you're like, oh, I could do that. Okay. You can try to, yeah. Oh, I never, yeah. I don't have any names, but yeah, I think you can just search on Instagram, like reading or. Okay. No, <laughs> or, no, it's yeah. good. I had never, it yeah, mm. that hadn't occurred to me to go there. So yeah, that's fantastic. So any other tips or tricks that you would like to impart on our listeners or. I think just that idea that, you know, you really need to start with your child to think about what they're interested in and you kind of start from there and move out and to remember that, yeah, they need the extra support to motivate and engage them. I think right now in education research, that whole, it's all about active engagement or student Mm -hmm. engagement because yeah, if, if the child's not engaged, you're not going to be successful. Exactly. Um, it's, yeah. yeah. It sounds so simple, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. But it's hard because you're like, what? it's so easy to go down the other route where you are making them read something that has no value to them or you're forcing them to do some activity that doesn't make sense to them. So it's also, yeah, I think it's just good to step back and also remember that our learners are yeah, they might not have all those concepts. So sometimes it's good to step back and be like, wait a minute, am I asking them to do something that they don't quite understand yet? So make sure, like what we mentioned earlier, like the concept of same and different or first Mm -hmm. and then or beginning, middle, end, all these little things that you need in order to read, um, but take time to develop. Yeah. So yeah, I always tell parents like that too. Like don't, yeah, have fun with them. Don't make reading this chore, read, winky wonky donkey all the time (laughs) but also yeah you can work on those other concepts that are important for reading like beginning middle end or sing songs or work on letter sounds and just have fun and be goofy with it because yeah your job is yeah I think that's more your job as a mom or a dad is to keep that relationship and have fun reading and make sure they enjoy it yes don't ruin it for them yeah Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, Eleanor, I really want to thank you so much for um, coming on today and and sharing your vast knowledge and expertise on on reading. Like I learned a ton and I see you every week. So (laughs) it's fantastic. Doing this actually made me realize like, yeah, if only we had more time, you know what I mean? Yeah. I just feel rushed in Ainsley's session or rushed to prep for it because, yeah, there's just so many other things that we're all doing in our lives. So yeah, but it just made me. I was like, oh yeah, I just it just made me have more ideas for Ainsley too, actually. So it was oh, good. awesome. We'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, I'm definitely gonna um look up some of the links that you suggested and um start doing some of those things at home, because yeah, like you know, Ainsley loves the flashcard game, but I think it's sort of time to move on to something else with that. So, you know, but to still make it fun and engaging, because yeah. you know, because it that's what's worked for her, because it's it's been fun. And so if our listeners have any questions, is it okay for them to contact you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if I don't have time to contact them back, I'll just forward them to one of our other teachers. Okay. All well known. Yeah. Or you can, you know, I can always compile the questions if people want to just contact yeah. me directly. But so is it just, uh, can we, can they just contact you via email? Like at. Yeah. It's Eleanor at DSRF.org. Okay. And we'll put a link as well in on our show notes and uh on our website as well wonderful thank you so much eleanor thanks may see you later see you so lots of magic lots of plans lots of learning um how do you see it i see it just like that Uh, eleanor's a lot of fun and And i should say a lot of effort too because this is not something you just kind of just like this isn't just assembling a burger. There's, there's actually a lot of thought goes into this. Yes. And we, you know, every week she gives us a little booklet, you know, a little book and some different uh, words to work on and things like that. So, you know, and as Eleanor said, they have lots of books available so people can always contact her, you know, or me if they like and uh, get set up with some different tools to help their kids to read. Cause you know, I hope, People got lots of tips and tricks from her. From this and episode. you see Eleanor weekly, correct? Yeah. And when you're at home, 
what does the reading plan look like? Well, we read every night before bed, and I do try to practice a little bit during the week. So reinforcing. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So where are we going next time? Well, I am really excited for who we have on for next week, you know, especially in light of World Down Syndrome Day coming up on March 21st. But we have on... Uh, John and Mark Cronin of John's Crazy Socks because we all wear crazy socks or many of us wear crazy socks. Yeah, I'm boring. I don't have crazy socks. (laughs) I think we need to get you a pair on. (laughs) You can just wear mismatched socks. I have known people that do that and they do it on purpose just to be different. There you go. So, So, yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to look forward to that because I have seen some of these crazy socks and they are really, how do I put this? unique fun and fantastic fun fantastic um yeah yeah more fun than a more fun than a turtleneck (laughs) yeah for sure (laughs) all right why don't you lead us on out thanks for listening to the t21 mom podcast and i would love to hear from you what things are important to you as you navigate this journey of special needs and down syndrome how are you doing things your way Drop us a line at our email at t21mom.com. And if you have any ideas for shows or just thoughts on different episodes, let us know. Keep on loving on your rocking kiddos, and we will see you next time. See you, Mary. Bye, Ron. Bye.